in some ways really levels the playing field in the classroom when we have these very traditional notions of this power dynamic. Um, and so how beautiful to show that part of our learning is to mess up and to talk about it. The topic of today's podcast is Teacher Insights on Project-Based Learning with Annie Tremonti. Tech Talk for Teachers. You want to practice? Tech, tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote, face-to-face, -face, and blended learning. Education is our passport to the future. Our quote of today is, if we teach today's students as we taught yesterday's, we rob them of tomorrow. And that's from John Dewey. Oh, Classic. It is, and I love that quote. It always makes me ponder um, about what does it mean to be successful tomorrow, especially when we're talking about innovation and how fast things are changing in our world. Since we don't know exactly what they're going to need, what their future holds, I, I always think of it as a reminder about the importance of teaching those transferable skills. You know, we talk about the four C's, critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, communication, um, how important that is. That's one of my favorite quotes, too. I love that quote. And what I think about is that nothing really stands still. It's like the phrase, if you just stand there, you'll get run over kind of a thing. We need to teach our students how to keep evolving and growing, too. It really ties back to that importance of growth mindset. Uh, we can't stay still. We have to grow and go. And we're speaking of growing today and expanding our horizons. So I'm really excited to introduce our guest educator today, um, who's a wonderful mentor and coach, Annie Tremonti. Hey. Hi, thanks for having me. And she is a colleague of mine, so I am just lucky to get to work with her. Um, she has many roles, which I'll let her explain, but she is a district instructional coach with me in Renton School District. Um, and she's going to be talking a lot today about project-based learning. Uh, but to get started, Annie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I'm a teacher. That's really how I identify. Uh, so even though I've taken on many different educational roles, that's really uh, how I describe myself. So before being an instructional coach with Rena, we were both digital learning coaches for a few years. And then majority of my educational time has been in the classroom as a middle school language arts and social studies teacher. I also get this really cool opportunity to uh, adjunct in a graduate program with um, teachers working to get a degree in digital education leadership. And it's just, it's fun to have that insight and to get those conversations. Um, and I cannot forget I'm a mother to a four and a half year old, a wonderful four and a half year old. Oh, awesome. <laughs> All very important jobs. <laughs> that, that mother of the four year old is probably the hardest job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the most important. That's awesome. So I guess we're just going to dive in and we're going to talk about project based learning and we're going to refer to it as PBL. So if you're wondering if we're using that acronym, acronym a lot, but just how might you describe PBL to someone who has never heard of it, doesn't know what it is? You know, I think one of the best ways to think of it as, as a student-centered approach that provides students with the opportunity to work through an open-ended problem. And that's it. I would leave it at that. Cool. I love that open-ended part. So some teachers might say, well, that, that's a project. What would you say the difference is between 
PBL or project-based learning and just a project? It's a really important question because um, you have to start there with understanding the difference. So projects are great, right? They usually are conceptualized and outlined by a teacher. Um, they often are the culmination of learning or a way to demonstrate learning that has already occurred during the unit. Uh, they can be aligned to standards and have a lot of inherent value. But PBL uh, is not focused on an outcome. It's focused on a process. And the experience is the unit. It is the learning. It's not adjacent to or um, after the fact. And because of this, it can be complex. There can be a lot of mess. Uh, we have to welcome the mess instead of try to prevent and control it. Uh, and it also, I think, affords the opportunity to be really culturally responsive. When a project's content is kind of created by one voice at the front of the room, we it's almost impossible to respond fully to everyone who's in the room. And so when an inquiry or a question can be generated by students, we now are creating something that is really relevant to all types of students into present day. Uh, and the end result can be potentially unknown, right? And that's kind of the mess of it. Hmm. Learning can definitely be messy at times, right? But that's also what makes it kind of exciting. How do you see PBL fitting in with hybrid and distance learning, you know, during this time of the pandemic? Where's, where's the fit there? So the world doesn't stop just because we have curriculum outlined in a scope and sequence or like textbook chapters to cover. All of us that join Zoom calls are part of communities around us. And so we really owe it to our students, I think, to create relevant learning experience that, you know, not only help them as citizens of the future, but that allow them to engage now. And so it can be really empowering for students to see themselves as contributors to that sphere of learning. Um, you know, I think of it like this, we all logging on to calls, including our students, uh, including all of our colleagues and friends, we have a multitude of stressors distracting us. We've got responsibilities pulling at us, fears isolating us. And what we can't do is pretend that that doesn't exist. I think we have this opportunity to listen to students and their perspectives and use it as an asset. And so they deserve through this type of learning to see how their work can impact the world around them. Um, and not a simulated one, but a, re a real one. That's so powerful, just how students themselves can influence the world around them and how I love that PBL allows all those different voices to be heard. And it's not teacher-centered, it's now student-centered. And that's so important. And I know there's teachers, sometimes when they hear the word PBL, they, they actually <laughs> start getting a little anxious because that seems so big to them. But that doesn't mean they have to do the all of the components of PBL. So thinking if you were to maybe support or talk to a teacher that like to get started with PBL, they're excited, they've heard something. What are some tips you might have for them? I agree, Rena. It sounds like you need to have a special school, a special principal, a special degree. And I think that that's a huge misperception, but one I completely understand. Um, you don't have to overhaul everything you're doing. You know, you can find a component of PBL to start with. PBL Works, formerly Buck Institute, has these seven elements of design. And you can start with one. I'll, I'll give you an example of two that I think are really great to start with. One is the challenging problem or question. So this is a really major component of problem project-based learning. And, you know, as teachers, we often identify essential questions at the beginning of the unit. And we're good at that and we know why it's there. But how might we ask ourselves to ensure that it becomes the cornerstone of the work as opposed to something that's only at the start 
of the learning? And how might we kind of turn up the volume on the role that this question plays and how our students regularly interact with this question? So that's something to kind of investigate and maybe stop with that, right, and explore that. Um, another one is voice and choice. This one, we say it a lot, we mean it, it's very powerful, um, but what does it really look like and how might we turn up the volume on these? So for example, how might we ensure that the choices students have in the classroom aren't limited by the teacher? And how might we ensure that um, voice isn't about student discussion or being called on, but rather students having a say in how the classroom runs and what instruction looks like? So those things alone can set you off on a path to grow and learn and be so powerful to your students without a whole shebang of everything being PBL. I love that phrase that you're using, turn up the volume on those things. <laughs> That's cool because it implies that teachers have been doing good things before, but we That's need right. to amplify some of those pieces and make them more prominent. I love that. That's right. So during this time of remote learning, kind of curious how the project-based learning has incorporated into that. Can you give us some examples of some of the things that you've observed and supported during remote learning? So I'm working with a wonderful high school teacher who has been so curious to work on this and did some last year, but really saw remote learning as the chance to kind of get messy and take a risk knowing that so much is problematic right now. Like, well, let's try something new, right? So after reading a novel in class, she has this whole project around how does art create change? And so she asks students to formulate their own sort of social change inquiries and really deep topics. I mean, ninth graders coming up with some of the deepest topics you could think of as far as social issues. Um, and they dug in and they have created um, podcasts and videos and artwork and spoken word poetry. And they held this whole evening emporium where they shared with one another across different classrooms. And the support they gave one another was beautiful. The um, feedback they gave one another, very student-centered approach. And now not only is it meaningful to all the things these students are going through right now, but now the teacher's kind of reflecting on round two and how to do it with another group of students this trimester, um, knowing that she couldn't do it all last time. Nice. Yeah. What advice would you give to teachers who are new to doing project-based learning, their first experience with it? So I would go back to, again, pick one thing to look into, right? Knowing that it's probably, you probably have an area that you're already teaching that you could tweak a little bit to lean more towards PBL. Um, there are inherent questions in all of the learning we do. And one of those might be prime for student inquiry. Uh, and then be prepared for a lot of things, right? Like be prepared for a mess. Be prepared to turn to your students for some ideas. Uh, be prepared to give up some control. Be prepared to feel uncomfortable at times. Um, be prepared to be vulnerable and fail forward, which I know requires a very supportive culture as a teacher around you. So maybe find someone who can be a cohort with you to kind of play and get messy together. Um, and bounce ideas back and forth. Mm, I like that idea, bringing in a colleague on it. It's definitely an opportunity for growth mindset, right? On totally. uh, For our learners as well as for ourselves. So yes. we get to model that with our learners. I think that's awesome. So you know what time it is? 
It's time <laughs> for our tool talk. Yeah, tool time. Is this your favorite term? Some technology. So no. <laughs> our favorite part is listening to you. Absolutely, yeah. it is. In fact, we want to hear from you in terms of what is your favorite technology when it comes to project-based learning, in terms of what the students use, what the teacher use, uses, or you yourself have used in project-based learning. I'll kind of give two answers if that's okay. Uh, One, I'm always pushing for this idea that we don't have to be an expert on everything in order to open up our doors to new tools within reason and safety, of course. But there's a lot of things our students bring to the table that we have to be open to. Uh, The other thing I'll say, though, because I tend to be kind of tool agnostic, is that a platform for students to have as their own space uh, whether it, it you think of it as a digital portfolio or a blog, this I think is a really crucial modern piece of PBL, not only because students can have creative control of their learning, um, but the space that is used to document the process, right, which is so important, is really where deep learning happens. It may not be in what's created or what's put out in the community. That could fail and be learned from, but a student's reflection on it and discussion of it and their struggle with it, that's big stuff. And that is where I think we see our students grow the most. And so for them to own that and share that with others is really powerful. Super cool. That's kind of that metacognition piece where they learn how they learn. And um, I'm a former English teacher too, so I love the writing stuff. Totally, yeah. Well, thank you for all of your wonderful, and I would even say beautiful insights. <laughs> and I think it'll be really helpful for many of our listeners. So now actually is our fun time called One Thing. It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. Time for that one thing. It's that one thing. Thinking about what's kind of one thing that you've taken away from this conversation, Pam. I think it ties nicely back to our original quote from Dewey. We talk about preparing our students for their future, and I mentioned transferable skills. I think project-based learning, we talked about growth mindset, but through that work, they can collaborate, they can be creative. They certainly need to be critical thinkers and communicators to share back what they've learned. So I think it ties in very nicely with that. Yeah, for sure. And I'm thinking about when you shared your tool how it was tool agnostic. And what that does to me is it really puts that emphasis back on the learner, puts the kids in control, lets them make the choices, lets them drive the learning. That's where the magic happens right there. So that that's really cool. We would right. like, oh, go ahead, Rina. I, I want to I add, I know you wanna, I'm not you really on this? to share. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I really, I just, every time I talk to Annie, I feel like I get smarter. It's one of my favorite things about working with ditto, her. Ditto, ditto, <laughs> uh, And I just love, and I'm going to reiterate that I love the turn up the volume and amplify what you're already doing. So don't be afraid. And really just taking those things you're already doing, you're providing choice, you're providing voice, but lots of time that's limited by the teacher perspective. It's teacher created, teacher centered. And how can we make that switch to being student centered? And that that really helps with our equity work. It helps with so many different things that we are trying to do as educators already. So I appreciate all of your wisdom. <laughs> Absolutely. I think this deserves an Annie cheer. Woo! <laughs> We, we want to really thank you, Annie, for joining us today. Uh, we thank re- you for having me. 
great insights. It's it's awesome to hear about the project-based learning work that you're doing. It's inspiring, um, it's even in the context of remote learning and maybe especially in the context of remote learning. Yeah. I think of what a conversation Pam and I had, our teachers during all this pandemic, what is it, Pam? I say we've been experiencing project-based learning. We've talked a long time about integrating technology, but our level of understanding of what that means and now what we're doing with that becomes through that authentic experience that we're in right now. And hopefully, because we as teachers are experiencing the benefit of our own project-based learning experience, right. maybe we get some new insight and we can transfer that into our classroom for our kids. Right. And I was also going to say like this failing forward and being messy for our students to see us be vulnerable and not know everything is huge, right? It really, in some ways, really levels the playing field in the classroom when we have these very traditional notions of this power dynamic. Um, and so how beautiful to show that part of our learning is to mess up and to talk about it. For sure. And with that, thank you all of our teacher listeners out there for being innovators, for being trailblazers, for taking on this big project that is the pandemic and making education the best it can be for our kids. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us for the first and third Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Central for a live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote, face-to-face, -face, and blended learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.